Hi, this is Rosalinda, the host of Faith Fuel Podcast, the show where we hear voices of people transforming the world for Jesus. Pastors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and world changers. So sit down, relax, or keep it driving. It's time to get some wholehearted, wide open, and yes, sometimes side-splitting encouragement and direction for your life. So get ready to get fired up. Hi, I'm Rosalinda Rivera, and today, guys, I have an amazing woman of God. So get ready, because you're going to hear from a woman who has done amazing things for the Lord and hasn't stopped. She is still doing it. She's impacting the world for Jesus, but also the secular world. And then, of course, as a wife and a mother, I cannot wait for you to hear from our guest, Pastor Mia Wright. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Pastor Rosalinda. It's a blessing to be here and thank you for the introduction. I'm really honored to be in your presence because you have also done just incredible things in the world and all in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, you have expanded the kingdom. So thank you for inviting me to be a part of your show today. Uh, Thank you so much. Well, God has called us to do so much for the kingdom. And so, you know, Mia Wright, she's an inspiring um, speaker. You've traveled around the globe. She also has a book with Charisma Magazine, uh, or rather Charisma Publishing, and it's called Unthinkable. She is the co-pastor and executive director of ministry at the Fountain of Praise, alongside her husband, Pastor Wright. And the couple, of course, you guys lead a congregation of more than 20,000 members, making it one of the largest churches in the United States. They're truly making an impact for the kingdom. She's the executive director of Metamorphosis, a women's empowerment organization. You actually are in the process of getting your doctor's degree. Is that correct? Yes, I'm at University of Southern California. It's always been a dream to go there and uh, working on a doctoral program in organizational change and leadership. You know, I'm excited to have you you here today. You know, um, let me first start by saying this. I have a short introduction. It has my life purpose, my passion, which is to help people really to change, to make those shifts in life, whatever it takes for them to move beyond their boxed in circumstances to say, God is great. God is big. My world can be bigger. And if I tap into the power and the potential that God has in my life, then I can be a better person. So that's really what my resume should just say. Just that one thing. (laughs) You were actually in the pharmaceutical industry. What an interesting place to be right now. Oh, yeah. um, And so you left that to go into full-time ministry. I got a question, and I know a lot of listeners also go through that. When do you think it's okay to leave that and go into the church full time? It was really, uh, it wasn't an easy decision for me because Pastor Rosalinda, I was earning six figures. Um, I loved my job. I truly enjoyed what I was doing. I felt very uh, satisfied in so many ways of having my own thing apart from the church so that I wasn't just a pastor's wife. And, um, you know, I had my children and, but it was very fulfilling for me to have something of my own. I think a lot of women need that. We need Mm -hmm. something that we can claim as our own. And I had, I had just been doing uh, leadership training for the church, which is what I did in pharmaceuticals as well. I did uh, developmental training for our specialists, our sales specialists, sales teams. Um, but I was doing that for the church as well, for our leaders, people who were looking to go into leadership position, people who were trying to find what their skills were and how they transferred what they did in the world, you know, professionally for uh, the church, right? And 
it was so interesting because then God said, I want you to do this um, on a full-time or vocational uh, platform. And I kept saying, God, but no, can I just be in part-time ministry? And it was like, God was saying, there's no such thing as part-time ministry. That's right. <laughs> full-time job, you're in full-time ministry. If you have a part-time job, you're in full-time ministry. If you have no job and I call you to ministry, God says you're in full-time ministry. <laughs> so I just got yanked from that. So something that I really loved, I felt that God was asking me to sacrifice, to give it up so that I could really serve him fully. Also, our church was in the midst of this incredible growth. We were, when we started in 1991, our church had um, about a hundred, less than a hundred, maybe about 75 members. And it just, each year there was this exponential growth of thousand people, thousand people, 2000 people. And so God was taking me to this place that I knew that I needed to give more of my time to the church, to the vocation of ministry. And I just didn't know exactly what I was going to do. I thought I was going to administrative, uh, administrative type position. But then after I left my job, then God told me he wanted me to preach his word. And that was a big shift for me. That was a huge shift because I grew up in a very traditional church setting. My grandfather was a pastor and women did not preach. I got you. I totally understand. Yeah. So I had to have a whole paradigm shift and I had to prepare myself for what God was going to do because I really thought I was just going to do, go and sit behind a desk somewhere. But God said, no, you stand behind my desk and you'll do what I tell you to do. So just being ready in the spirit realm, I think uh, being open to what God wanted to do was a, it, it was a new place of trust, a new place that you had to get to, to say, okay, God, no matter what is going to happen, I trust you, <laughs> you know, no right. matter people reject me for being a woman speaking your word. I trust you. And no matter if, you know, I don't know all the answers, but yet I trust you. That became a place of faith and became very foundational for me to move forward in my ministry. That's so key what you just said, because I think a lot of us as women um, probably face fear and you're listening to, you know, powerhouses over here talk about serving the Lord, engaging in full-time ministry, but that fear of rejection is so big. What will people think if I walk into that calling? Mm -hmm. And so I can only imagine what that may have looked at uh, with your church, because you just catapulted into masses of people. And, you know, as a pastor's wife, I'm going to just like switch courses just for a split second. There is so much that we bring to the table. And I always say there's a great man of God, but there's a powerhouse behind them that brings a lot of balance. <laughs> and uh, I watched my mom, you know, growing up uh, in ministry and how she served. And then the Lord called me into that position. But God is calling. I just believe there's a movement right now where God, God is calling women to just Esther's just to rise up and to go into that place of calling. And so the world is better because you answered that call. Thank you. Just talking about the progression of roles uh, of women everywhere. We were just talking about in churches. I mean, we see it happening in the business world today and everywhere. What word would you give to the younger generation as you've already gone through so many of these stages? Perseverance, you know, that's a word that, that always sticks with me because despite what um, objections you may have, and those can be internal or they can be external. Whatever voices come into your head that are saying to you, no, you can't, or no, you shouldn't. I think women must persevere. Um, I did a presentation this past weekend about women who are history makers. And mm. the interesting thing is that women who make history, they're often women who don't follow the rules. <laughs> 
so what? Amen God to gives, that. Yeah, God gives us guidelines. Man gives us laws, but there are like these little fine, finite areas that we often find ourselves in. They're the gray areas of life that we're challenging ourselves, saying, "Should I? Shouldn't I?" And and when we push some of those boundaries. You know, we have to persevere because for women to make history in those different areas, um, they can't just go by what the last person did. They have to do a little bit more, you know. And so whether it's somebody going into a new position on their job or someone entering into um, new businesses or starting their own businesses, they have to almost push just a little bit harder in order to gain more. And so perseverance is really, really important. And don't give up, you know, don't give up. Don't listen to the outside voices. Um, sometimes they're very reasonable, but also listen to what God is saying to you, right? And so sometimes when, when the outside voices overpower the voice of God, God's voice says to me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But the outside voices will say, hey, you can't be in that place, right? And I'm like, well, why can't I be in this place? So I've always been that kind of girl that, that questions <laughs> the boundaries, <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> so what's keeping me back from being there? And asking myself those types of questions. And those are things that have benefited me in the long run because I've seen doors open in places that they had traditionally been closed for women. And so I just would say for that younger generation, don't give up. Don't give up easily and don't quit. Just consider why would somebody tell you you can't go into a place Look at that and see how you can get into another door that leads you oh, to- Oh, that's good word. There was a time in my life in ministry um, where I was doing all the administrative. I was great at putting on the events. You know, we would take stage and, you know, we had this huge stage and lighting. We would go to the streets and we would preach and evangelize. And I was like, no problem. I'll put the whole event on. And one weekend we were in the city of Richmond and I'll never forget it. We expected, you know, probably a thousand or so people to show up. You know, we we're right in front of the university. Somehow all of our men pastors calendars were filled. And I was up all night, Pastor Mia, hearing my dad's voice telling people to come to the Lord and how to throw out the net. And I had heard it thousands of times. And you know what I did? I disqualified myself. And I said, there's no way God's calling me to preach right after the, the music. We had this great band from Africa, South Africa that was playing. And I just kept on hearing my dad's voice, you know, telling the lost to come and they could be set free in Jesus. And all night I heard that altar call, that altar call that I'd heard so many times before. And I actually disobeyed and invited another person to come share that day. But at the end, when everybody was ready to jump, all the fish were ready to go into the net, I remember him saying, if you want what we have, find somebody in one of the little red shirts and go talk to them. And my heart just broke because I knew it was the moment to cast the net. And I said, you know what, brother, do you mind if I just borrow that mic? And it was the first time that I just stepped into that. And I remember doing the altar call, hundreds of people came to Christ. And I never doubted the calling or disqualified myself ever again after that date. Not because of the response of people, because I felt a release from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to let what other people said, you know, you can't do that. Are you sure? And we allow those voices in our head to disqualify us and hold us back. You're and so, so right about that. Well, I, I, I'm thinking back to something you said earlier. And first of all, let me say that I am so glad that you stepped into that because I think the, the 
well, the Bible says uh, obedience is better than sacrifice, right? So when God calls us to something and we act in obedience, God is going to bless that. The sacrifice comes on the other end where like, Lord, I'm so sorry I didn't do. Will you accept my offering? Forgive me, forgive me. You know, we keep begging ourselves and we're constantly thinking in our head, but what if, what if, what if? So we're almost dealing with those, um, you know, the, 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 I, I just can't think of the word for it, but the what ifs of what could have happened, what should have happened. And we're constantly dealing with that for a long time. But yet, if we had just been obedient to do it when God said do it. But um, when God first called me, the first call God was asking me to do was really just to trust him, right? And I remember standing up in church on a Sunday, and I think it was like maybe our pastor's anniversary or something. And and I took off a hat. I was wearing a hat. It was real traditional at that time. And so I wore this hat and had a lot of sparkles on it. And I had been praying for this girl. And this is when God really started moving on my heart. I was praying for this young girl. I remember it was probably around Easter. And um, I opened my eyes. I was praying. I was crying and everything. <laughs> I opened up my eyes. And I look at this girl, and she's like so bedazzled with all the sparkles going on that my prayer was so ineffectual that moment that God spoke to me. He said, you're blocking my blessings. You're being Ooh. a hindrance to what I want, you know? And that's when God told me to, you know, get out of that tradition. Get out of the way. Yep. Yeah. And so the very next time I had an opportunity to wear this hat was like our pastor's anniversary the next month. And so I had it on and God said, I told you to stop. Right. So I've stood there and, and they always give me a chance to speak at that time. And I was just really tearful. And I just said, God has told me that he doesn't want me to wear these anymore. God has told me that he wants me to move into what he wants me to do. And so people then started saying, well, she got called to preach. She got called to ministry. And I was like, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that because that wasn't what God had said to me. And so I kept saying, I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. And then God said to me, you're being like Sarah. You are, you're laughing at me. You're not trusting me. For the thing that you think is unthinkable, because that was part of my unthinkable mm -hmm. shift, for the thing that you think is unthinkable, that's what I want to do. And so it was later on, it was through my embarrassment that from what people were saying to me that they heard me say that I did not say at that moment, but it was that embarrassing moment, like, do I believe that God could really call me to preach? that God called me to preach. <laughs> and so it's, it's interesting how those voices can be internal and how we can take our history or we can take Ooh, that's what we experienced or what someone else has told us and begin to compile all of these reasons that God can't use us. But yet God says, I'm no respecter of person. God can choose who he wants to choose. <laughs> he can use anyone or anything to make his point. And so I think about Balaam and, and the donkey and God used them. <laughs> he can use anything. I tell you. Yes. If you're listening today, you know, maybe this is just the word that you need. You know, maybe you just need that little encouragement because God wants to use you to say, you know what? It's time. You know, in the Bible, the Bible says, wide are the fields of the harvest, but few are the laborers. And a lot of times we're wait, waiting. And I don't know if you feel this way, Mia, like sometimes if us as pastors don't personally go invite them, they're like, well, you know, I didn't hear from the pastors or I didn't hear from the leadership, but God just wants you to be available. You know, yeah, you know, I used to always say, um, Hey, if you know that God has called you or God wants you to do something, then do it, right? And my mother always had a different perspective. My mother used to say, Mia, people are just waiting to be asked. 
And so now I take the, I take a combination of the two That's good. and I pray, I ask God, you know, if it's somebody you have called and they're waiting to be asked, let me know so that I may ask them. And so I try to do that. Um, I try to take that perspective because somehow it is in our psyche as individuals that we feel like, you know, everybody has it going on or it's, it's, it's a well-oiled machine is what I get all the time. Oh, you got it all fi figured out and you have all the people in place. I'm like, but no, who am I to hinder the plan of God and not encourage somebody in their gifts? Who am I to sit on somebody's gift when God has in, indeed given you this gift and, give, and wants us as leaders to give you an opportunity? And so um, if I know you, then I can use you because the Bible says, know them that labor among you. And That's so right. if I don't know you, I can't use you. So make yourself known. But I also try to look for those opportunities that I can invite people to be a part of as well. So look, as a mom, as a co-pastor, glam mom, fit, um, you're, you're an auntie as well, a mentor and soon to be doctor. How do you find time to balance all of this Oh, and, and I know there's three must-haves um, that we need to have in order to balance these things. So give me an idea here. I know the listeners want to know how you put it all together. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. The first thing that I have done is I released myself from feeling like I have to balance everything. Just mm. to be honest with you. I say I don't believe in balance anymore. I believe in harmony. And um, that's one of the things I learned out of my yoga practice. <laughs> it <has> really <laughs> helped my life to release that balance. And when I when I tell you that um, as a mom, that's one of the things I learned that, you know, one kid may need more attention than another kid. And I can't split, you know, 30, 30, 30 of my time. So you get 30%, you get 30%. And, and then, oh, what about the husband? Oh, but this, and, and that's a, a problem for a lot of women because we try to balance so much in life and we're trying to give equal time to everybody that we miss out on God, we miss out on ourselves, we miss out on everyone because we can't do it effectively. And so when I live in harmony, I recognize that some things will get more attention at certain times than others will. And so when I when I do that, I sense God leading me in the direction and I can go with God's flow. I don't feel like I'm constrained by my time clock or my watch or whatever, just say, I've got to do this on this day at this time. And so living in harmony has really helped me in so many ways. Um, I also hate to say, but I think that squeaky wheels get oil. And so I have a lot of things. I live by a calendar. I'm like, my calendar uh, will alert me of what's about, what I have coming up. And I try not to overcommit, but I try to commit. And, and I want to be a woman of my word at all times. So I'm all in when I'm there. Um, let's see, I can't think of a third thing, but just really trusting and believing God to, to be active in that season and to be present where I need to be present is really important to me, right? And so if I have committed to be here with you, then I can't be, you know, texting somebody else or like <laughs> some of us are guilty in our Zoom calls to be in two places at the same time. Or I've even had a Zoom call where I'm on one and then I have another one going on the iPad at the same time. But I don't like being that person. I like to be fully present wherever God has asked me to be. And so that way I give you 100% of me while I'm there and you giving me 100% of you and none of us feel like we have been short, shorted of anything, but we actually have, have really enjoyed and benefited from our time together. And I think as a mother, as our kids know that there's these high seasons where sometimes this one is the focus or this one is the focus, or maybe it's a season with our husband. You know, we always 
took, we've been married 25 years. And so we, and I just had one daughter get married. One's getting married in July. And so we always took two vacations. We took a lot of little breaks, but two serious vacations, one with our kids and one as husband and wife. And, you know, sometimes my kids would go, well, you're always with daddy. You know, you're always on a date with daddy. We'll do, you know, I used to call it mommy Mondays. And that way they knew that on that day, this is really about you. And I might be traveling, you know, with the movie. I, I, I remember one year I was on a hundred flights. It was a little insane. And um, I was glad for that to slow down, but I had to make the moments count. And, and I would encourage you moms, especially those that are in ministry or you're, you know, I, well, I'm going to go back to what you said. You're in full-time ministry, whether you're paid by the ministry or not, whether you have an outside job or not. But to make that time count, lock those eyes in with those kids and let them know right now, I'm not, nothing is more important than you. And I'm, I'm a little crazy. I tell them sometimes, you know, I, there's a certain point where my phone gets turned off, you know, because as pastors, our phone is 24 hours a day. And so people would make fun of me. They would say, well, why do you have it turned off? And I said, look, at this point at two in the morning, you know, if they go to be with Jesus, I've already led them there. I will see them in heaven. Exactly. But you cannot be up through the night, girl, all the time, every exactly. second. And I said, you know, there's got to be a certain time where I cut it off and it's me and my husband or me and my children. And that's Thanks. so important. You know, my wake up call with that was my son. He was like probably in third or fourth grade. And I was, first of all, wait, my kids think I work in computers when the teachers would ask, what do you mom do? She works in computers. Right? <laughs> <That's good. laughs> I saw a computer, but uh, that has not been my job, but that's where I spent a lot of my time. But my son came up to me and he, and he was talking to me, having a conversation with me while I was typing on the computer. And he said, mom, but you're not listening to me. And I said, yes, I am. I'm here. Everything you say, but mom, you're not paying attention to me. I said, yes, I am. I'm giving you my time right now. And he says, mom, look at me. And it was, it, it was like it snapped. And so I closed the computer down and I looked to him and I just talked to him and he was really going through something. And I would have missed that moment because I was so engaged with what I had going on. So being present became very important in my life, especially for my children, well, for anyone, whoever is the person that God has sent to be in front of me in that moment, being present with them is so important because we never know what somebody is going through, the depth of what they're dealing with until we really see in their eyes and we, we hear with their voices and we sense with our spirits where they are. And we can't do that by being um, doing two and three things at the same time. My husband used to call me the queen of multitasking. Now I can still multitask with the best <laughs> of them, but, but I am present when it comes to people. I'm present, but I'm also with, like you, I put my phone on do not disturb from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. Don't call me. <laughs> I say that's a wrap. I will see yep. you in heaven. So I, I, it's so true. And our kids do appreciate it. And, you know, I had to go through a season of forgiving myself for missing those moments. And, you know, I praise God that our relationships have grown. And, but I used to always carry that guilt, you know, cause I was so busy during really important parts of their life. But I believe that if you're listening today and that, that is something that just kind of pulled a heartstring, just know that God can bring forgiveness between even you as a mother and your children. He could restore it and rebuild it. There's so many more memories that God has in store for you. You know, I, I want to bring up, we have something a little bit in common, but of course, God really 
used you and your husband in such a powerful way because you held one of the most watched funeral services really around the world. And that was the George Floyd family, you know, at a time where racial injustices were high, um, still very high. Of course, marches were happening, boycotts, and you were actually the female voice. Um, so many people needed to hear for guidance. And I, I just want to ask you, like, what prepares you for a moment like that? Oh, wow. You know, I think God is the only thing I, I all I can say was hosting a, a funeral of that nature in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of very heightened uh, racial tensions was really challenging. And God prepared us in so many ways and he sent the right people to work with us and to serve with us so that we would not only take care of people's health, but their emotions and offer them a place that they could come and, and pour out safely, you know? Um, it was it originally started as just an opportunity to serve someone in our congregation, was one of the members of George Floyd's family, and to serve the family, to help them through their grief, which is what our church is really one of our very uh, strong principles and something that we serve with wholeheartedly. Our, our team is amazing with um, with grief and transition. And um, so that's how it started. But then pretty soon it became, oh, we have this for the world. You mean what people from all over the world are coming and, you know, it was a news hub for everything. And then, you know, CNN was tapped into our uh, broadcast. So it was, it was awesome to be able to serve as a source of healing and wholeness and reconciliation and peace and all of those things that people need during a time of grief. And so, you know, while it, we were the one of three places that um, George Floyd's uh, family chose to have funeral services, it was the final place that he had it and mm -hmm. in his hometown. So we saw upwards of like 10,000 people came for the viewing to see the bodies. And that was awesome just to be in the presence but, and when I say awesome, I mean awesome in the sense of ah, God inspired awesome, not like woohoo, awesome. I no, mean, yeah. Awesome, you know, where your spirit is so heavy. And, um, you know, it took us to a place of prayer. It took us to a place of preparation. Um, it took us to a place of just being ready for the unknown, but yet having to trust God by faith that uh, we would be in doing the right thing at the right time. We wanted to be certainly on the right side of history with it all. And so um, I said, my voice was, a lot of people remember my husband kind of laughed at me, said, you waited till the very end to get up there and be bossy. Cause I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> they were like crowding the family and all I could see was like, hey, it's COVID. You guys aren't following the protocols. We had Oh my goodness. And so, but <laughs> then my friends were calling me like, there you go. We know you were going to be safe. <laughs> But You're my, trying to be my, calm in the yeah. background and, and just oh, a leader oh. came out. Yes, but you know, I served a lot with the, the ministry leaders that were coming through and moving people around and just trying to get people into the right place at the right time and all of that. Handling a lot of the log logistics for the funeral and then just leading in the prayers area. But uh, that very last part was like, whoa, wait a minute, everybody. Don't forget what we just come wow. through. You know? And that's always a message God uses 
through everything, right? So sometimes we go through something major and incredible that God God says, you know, hey, I've, I've carried you this far. Now let's see what you've learned. And then we just kind of like throw up. I, I look at it like uh, when, when the Israelites came through the, the Red Sea and then uh, Moses goes up to get the tablets and he comes down and they're like worshiping the golden calf. I'm like, what happened? I'm they just... forgot. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> so, um, you know, but God always has a message through it all. And, and I think even for your listeners, today, the message that God helped me to receive through that is that many times we're doing the right thing and many times we're walking by faith and, and we may not know exactly what we're doing, but we're trusting God in all of it, but never let your laurels down. Never get to the point of the thing when you see the end, when you see you're coming to a conclusion of something that you just throw, throw in the towel like, oh, it's over, but it's not over until God says it's over. And so continue to follow God's path and God's leadership and, and keep your eye on him the whole time. And in that manner, then you'll see true victory in the end. Well, Pastor Mia and your husband, you were so pivotal because, you know, the fact that they chose your church, you probably never thought your whole life an event like that would be held in that building where the eyes of the world, you know, I remember that I was driving back from a, a conference I was speaking at and I literally stopped my car it was just kind of like a reverend saying, pull to the side. I watched the, you know, everything I could tune into to get. And, you know, everybody wanted to hear, everybody wanted to know. But how amazing was it that it was a Christian service, that it brought glory to God, that it was a testimony for even people that maybe have walked away from the Lord or maybe don't even know the power of the Christian strength, that we are new creations in Christ. I mean, the testimony of the honor, how it was handled. I mean, all of that is a reflection, not just on your church, but you reflected like how Christians do things and we can do it well when we come together. And, you know, when I prayed upon that monument in Richmond, Virginia, and I marched with that family and they called us to come, you know, uh, it is amazing how what you don't know, like your history, your seeds that were planted way before when my parents came to Richmond, you know, my dad, uh, they thought he was light skin black because, you know, he had Afro dark skin. My mom didn't speak English, you know, and in 71 in Richmond, Virginia, which is the heart of the Confederacy, it was challenging times. But my dad and mom, you know, they didn't see color because they, well, there are people of color. So they just, you know, they reached everybody. And who would have ever thought that when that uh, family came to Richmond, the call would come to the Torres family, you know, I'm Rivera now, but, and I said, well, why, why do you want me to pray? I, I was a little nervous because in our city, it had erupted, you know, a lot of violence. And he said, because nobody's done more for the black community than your family here in Richmond. And we want you to be a part. And that was really the seeds my parents planted. Yeah. And, and of course our ministry continues that. But those seeds carry on and your seeds, you and your husband, the seeds that y'all have planted are going to carry through your children, through your ministry, the listeners. Look, I'm telling you, God is calling, especially now, just a time of women to arise. And you do not have to have a degree. You do not have to be overqualified. You just have to say yes. Mm -hmm. And you were positioned uh, Pastor Mia and your husband. You touched the lives more than you will ever probably know. But I want to ask you to, because I want to pray for that listener as we close out right now, for the person that wants to be used by God, but maybe doesn't have that direction, you know, what you would say to them, because your book is unthinkable. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of people that want to do some unthinkable things, but maybe aren't brave enough. 
And I'd love for you, just whatever last words you have, and then also to pray for that listener. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate that. And I received that blessing that you said uh, to me and my family and for our church and the ministry that God has given us. And so we just trust and believe that the legacy God will leave will be a good legacy, just like the Taurus family and, and you and your husband and all that you all do to serve, not just Richmond, but the whole world. And so we receive that. But there are um, three things that I believe that a person can do in order to do what is they feel may be unthinkable. And I love that you said you don't necessarily have to have the education for it. You have to have faith and you have to trust God. And so the first thing is believe beyond anything else is your belief. What do you believe about God and what do you believe about yourself? And challenge those beliefs of yourself looking through the lens of God. So that's one of the things because people are told certain things in life that you can and cannot do. And sometimes it frames how we think we can live our lives or what we believe about ourselves. But when we live through the frame and the lens of God, through the framework of Christianity, through our faith in God, that we can do anything through Christ who gives us strength, then we can accomplish because we won't be limited in what we feel like we can do. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is to commit. Commit to all that you do. Commit your ways unto the Lord and God will. He promises to direct your path. He promises to be a light into your uh, lamp into your feet, a light into your pathway. He promises to show you the way. And so commit to him in all your ways and watch God do incredible things. And so that comes by you know, trusting and believing and yielding your will to God's will. And then the last thing is to act that I say. So don't just sit back and just believe it that God can do it. And don't say, I just commit my way to you, God, do it. But then you have to put some action behind it. The Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. And mm -hmm. so we have to put some action. We got to move. And so we can't just sit back and say, come on, God, just bless me. And now God can do that if he wants to. But Many times God is tying our faith to our action. And so don't be that Christian that has so much faith that you can't move out of your seat to do what Come God on. wants you to do, <laughs> right? And so you've got to get up and you've got to do something. I think about the woman with the issue of blood and she was foundational for the book, Unthinkable. Wow. She's been foundational in my life and in my ministry. Um, she was the very first sermon that I ever preached was the woman with the issue of blood. And I really get to that point of thinking this, when it says in the the Bible in her in her story, it says that she said to herself, "If I can go, just go and touch the hem of his garment." And this woman, for twelve years, had been following every rule that everyone had told her. Go to the doctor. She had gone to the doctor. Uh, you can't be around anybody. You can't touch anyone. And and Pastor, this this thing about touch is really so interesting because it's part of our, our humanity is five, mm. our five senses, right? Sight, smell, scent, uh, hearing, taste, um, and, and touch. touch. And so part of her humanity, humanity was taken away, but yet in this, and for 12 years, she was following those rules. But then this one day, I call it self-talk. <laughs> you know, we all have that moment we're talking to ourselves, right? So she's talking to herself and she said, but if I could just go and imagine all the voices in her head saying, but you can't go and you can't touch. What are you thinking, girl? What do you think you're going to do? She's like, if I could just go and touch, but you can't do that. But that day she dressed herself up. She went out into that crowd. She got to, as far as she could go until she could crawl. So she could have, she had to mm. crawl the rest of the way. And the Bible says she reached out with her hand and she touched the hem of Jesus's garment. And immediately Mark says, 
she was made whole. So what does God say to us about our unthinkable? We've got to believe, we have to commit, but we have to act. And in those three things, we can watch God do some incredible things in our lives. Doors that were closed or that you may not even know existed can open for you and watch God do the most incredible thing in your world that you will never ever look back upon your life again to say what you cannot do. You'll always say, God, show me how to do it. Oh, that's so good. I love that. I'm so encouraged by your words. Look, guys, you're listening today. It is time to act. So many of us, you know, we sit in church week after week after week, and we're just getting overfed, but it's time to act on that. So would you pray for that listener? They say, you know what? You girls got me motivated, and I am ready to say yes to that call. And they're just looking, you know, for that direction. Pray that word of encouragement over their life. Sure thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. I bless you today, God, for you are a great and mighty God. Lord, I thank you that everything is possible through you, in you, and with you, God. Father, I thank you that there is no failure or no fault in you, God. And so, Father, I am praying today for women who are listening. Many men are listening too, God, but for those who are listening and tuning in, and Lord God, they're asking themselves, but what is keeping me from moving forward? What is holding me back? What is hindering me? And God, when they see and reveal what it is that's keeping them from moving forward in you, God, I pray right now that you would show them how to shift that trajectory for their lives by trusting you, oh God, Lord, by believing in you, God, by having strength, by knowing that God can do all things through them, oh God. Father, I pray right now that, that you would just change those boundaries that seem to be holding us back, God, that you would let us see where um, we have had familiarity with, with failure, God, or we've become so accustomed to living life according to what the boxes are, what the customs are, or what has been comfortable for our lives. But God, you call us to move beyond that. And God, I pray that you would help us by faith to grasp hold of what you have for us, oh God. And then God, be able to commit our ways to you, God, because when we trust you and we believe you, God, and we follow after you, Lord, we'll see blessings that go beyond what we could have imagined or think. God, I pray for somebody who has been holding back on, on their gifts and their calling, oh God. Father, the, their circumstances may not have seemed right, but Lord God, your timing will always be perfect. So I pray that you would give the opportunity for them to exercise their faith and exercise their gift, oh God, and then go into that next level of living that you have already planned for them. And then, God, I pray by faith that we will act, God, that we will no longer just be accustomed to sitting and, and waiting for things to come our way, but trusting you by faith, oh God, and believing that you will show us the way, God, where to go, what to say, who to talk to, what door to pull on, oh God, what door to kick wide open, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us that boldness and confidence, oh God, and, and who you are, but in who we are in you, God. Let us tap into the power and the potential of Christ in our lives, that we no longer accept what is mediocre, God, that we no longer accept what is what is ordinary, God, but we look for the extraordinary opportunities that you place before us, God. Take us through doors that we had not been through before, God, been through before. And then, God, I pray that this is not for our glory, but it's for your glory, God, for the blessing of many, God for the beneficiary, oh God, of so many people, oh God, who need to see our movement, God, so that they will then move. 
Oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would use us to your glory, Lord. No longer the same, God. Let that be our testimony. We are no longer the same, but we are new through you, God. Let us be as these new creatures, bold and confident, trusting and believing, acting on your word. In the name of Jesus, we proclaim it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you heard it. No longer the same. Get ready because I just believe even through this podcast, this video, that God is just moving by his Holy Spirit and he is just, he's calling you. So get ready to answer, get ready to commit by faith and connect to what God has for you. Well, Mia, it was so amazing having you here today. And I know the listeners uh, would love to learn more about you. Um, Your church, now what city is your church? Is it in Houston? In Houston, Texas. Uh huh. Okay, so if they're in the Houston area, they can come visit you. The Fountain and, of Praise. Uh huh. And we're in Southwest Houston, is what I tell people. We're six miles south of the NRG Stadium, <laughs> the football okay. stadium. And then also they can follow. You guys can follow her. Make sure that you tag people on this broadcast. Look, tag three friends. Let us know that this meant something to you. If you received a word, make sure to comment on here. Share this podcast with others. Like I said. We got word from Charisma. We're on like the top podcast that they put out there. We're super excited. We're having tens of thousands of people download this podcast and it's being heard around the world. That can't happen if you don't spread the news. So thank you for doing that. Make sure to follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and you can stay in touch with her ministry. Most of all, if this touches you, you better download that book because we are going to grow with more knowledge. So get a hold of her book. And make sure that you just say yes to the call, because I'm telling you, this pandemic, I believe that God's going to be bringing these numbers down tremendously. That means there's a lot of people that need you to go out there and reach them for his glory. So again, Mia, thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure to have you. Rosalinda, thank you. And congratulations on your podcast being so impactful and awesome. And congratulations at Top of Charisma. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, guys, you remember what I always say is that when you put your trust in God, He will fuel your faith. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Get more at rosalinda.live. If you experience it, we'll examine it. If God's word says it, we'll stand on it. And when you're feeling faint, we are here with your faith fuel. I'm Rosalinda Rivera. We'll chat again soon. This podcast was brought to you by New Life for Adults and Youth, celebrating 50 years of restoring broken lives. If you or a family member has been struggling with addiction, New Life for Adults and Youth is the answer. Visit them at newlife.center.